be a head coach some someday. You gotta you gotta believe in yourself. I think that's the don't don't let anybody tell you no. Believe in yourself and and you gotta grind. You know, it never comes easy. You know, you gotta do all the dirty work and and then the, the second thing I would try to tell a young coach is to find a mentor. You know, find someone who you can kind of bounce ideas off and off of and can help you. Um, and someone you can, you know, when they're doing paperwork, you can watch and see what they're doing. When they're scheduling buses, you can sit in there and see how they do it. When they're talking to parents at parent meetings, you can sit in the corner and just listen. You know, we live in a society today where we care so much what other people think, we care so much about the opinion of others, which is really something we shouldn't really care about too much. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. This edition of the club went live on New Year's Day 2022. If you're among the group listening in on this first day of the new year, then Happy New Year! Episode 58 marks the start of Season 3 of the High School Coaches Club. For those listening in for the first time right now, welcome to the party. Be sure to join the club, get all the benefits, including the weekly newsletter. You can do that for free by going to highschoolcoachesclub.com. Thanks for hitting that play button today, and I sure hope you keep doing it moving forward. But don't forget to go back and listen to the first 57 episodes too. Might seem overwhelming, but you just never know what's going to click and change your life. So do it for you and for your student-athletes. For those who've been with me on this ride for a long time, as always, just honored by your presence here today. Some of you have seen my Twitter post, uh, I don't know, maybe a week or so back. I had a custom pinboard map of the United States created specifically for the High School Coaches Club. Kind of hanging on the wall a little bit, right? I went and placed a pin for each location that an episode had to, you know, guest tuning in from. And it's remarkable to see it laid out in front of me like that. There's, there's some clusters, as you can imagine, obviously here in Oregon being a big one, but we've reached all over the country from here, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, all the way out to places like New York, Florida, Texas, and so many places in between. There were also some noticeable areas that need some representation here. So if you have recommendations for future guests, especially coaches in parts of the country that haven't been featured yet, please reach out to me. Regardless, thank you so much for joining me here today. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. I know I say it a lot, but it can't be said enough. Will Miner is one of the biggest supporters of coaches anywhere in this country. I challenge you to find someone that's more supportive than him. Can't thank him and Netting Pros enough for what they do for us here in the club. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, of course, baseball, softball, huge markets for netting pros, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services to recreational college professional. And of course, that we all care so much about high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website by the same name, of course, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They've got some really exciting things happening over there. I don't know if you've been paying close attention to it, but Netting Pros is doing some really special stuff, and by doing so, they're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. 
Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus using the coupon code HSCC. That's the letters HSCC for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find the link down in the show notes. As a Plus member myself, I cannot recommend it enough. Sometimes I feel almost overwhelmed with how much incredible information there is there, but I know our coaching staff has just grown so incredibly much from being Driveline Plus members. In this episode today, I'm joined by the head basketball coach of St. Francis High School down in Southern California. His name is Todd Wolfson. Coach Wolfson is one of the most well-known high school coaches in the country, not only for what his teams have done on the court, but for the truth he's willing to tell. He's a refreshing voice in the sports world, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 58 with Todd Wolfson. All right, I'm joined by Todd Wolfson. Todd, thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's always it's always tough to find time in season for coaches, of course, because we all know once once the season starts, it's really hard to do outside stuff because it, it, I mean, you know what it's like. It just takes up a lot of time. So I'm happy that the schedule worked out because I know we're we're kind of smack dab in the middle of the start of your basketball season right now. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle. But you know what? Uh, we had a day off today in terms of no games, so we went and had practice this morning and had a little team meal together and. Um, now I got some free time and, and happy to help and, and, and talk about some high school sports and, and you know, can, can t- continue the conversation. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the, the I mean, obviously, a lot of people are familiar with you. Uh, it's kind of funny. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll see your tweets kind of repurposed and shared like on Facebook. And um, I'll be like, man, I've, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. And then sure enough, I'll jump on Twitter and say, oh, it was Todd again. And so a lot of your tweets and stuff kind of blow up and get repurposed. You might be the only like high school coach that's ever gotten verified on Twitter. I'm not sure how it all happens, but it's really funny because your tweets, I, I see them constantly outside of Twitter, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, just kind of spread. I used to just tweet stuff all the time back in the day when I first got Twitter um, and just would, would kind of just say how I felt. And people were like, are you supposed to say that? Is that something you should be, you know, <laughs> everyone kind of wants to da- dance around subjects and you know, what if a parent reads it and is upset or what if another, co- you know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not I, I talk about nothing personal. I talk, never talk about my players. I let my parents know at our parent meeting. Anything that's discussed on Twitter is never about you. It's never a subject that, you know, we've talked about. Sometimes I'll save stuff and four or five years later, I'll, I'll tweet about the situation when the kid's in college and it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but, you know, I just want to try to help, help out where I can. You know, I feel like uh, we're in a day and age where everyone wants to take um, and, you know, not a lot of people want to give. So we're always talking about with our team and our guys is just give where we can. And we can help a couple coaches and help a couple people understand certain things and get through some things. And um, all, all coaches can understand we're, we're fighting the same battle. So um, anything we can do to help is always a, always a pleasure for, for, for me to do. And that's one of the things that I think people, like anybody who's kind of followed you kind of obviously knows that about you. You're, it's not like you're tweeting super like uh, inflammatory stuff, but it's just like you're saying honest things that a lot of people maybe don't feel like they can say or, or feel worried about saying. And one of my favorite ones that you've ever had, and you've had plenty of, of great stuff that you've put out there, um, but the essential gist of it was basically like every game you coach, there's going to be 10 people in the stands who just don't like you. 
and it doesn't the yep. reasons don't matter they're not going to like you and and one of the another coach coach sheets who coaches baseball and one of the things he's always said is that basically 25 percent of the people that you're going to interact with are never going to like you no matter what you do and so it kind of yep. goes back to yours and that just the idea of, of as long as you're coaching and doing the best you can and trying to kind of be the best version of yourself like you don't need to worry about all that outside noise yep yep you know we live in a world today we was actually talking about our t- talking about this with our team uh, on friday um, you know, we live in a society today where we care so much what other people think. Um, and we care so much about the opinion of others, which is really something we shouldn't really care about too much. I mean, obviously, there's a select few of people that you should care about, you know, their opinion, obviously, your boss and, you know, your significant other, whether wife or husband or somebody, um, you know, parents, you know, things like that. But there's a few few people and, and those of you who don't, you know, those who don't really have a true impact on your life. And we, we hear you know, um, lots of slander and I don't you know, I hate using the word haters, but you know, people that, that just don't like you and they think you could, they can do a better job than you. And they think you're doing the wrong thing and all that stuff. And, you know, their opinion really shouldn't matter too much. And we try, I, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't really respond to anybody on Twitter. So if someone responds to one of my tweets, um, I usually don't even look at my mentions rarely. Um, so if someone responds, I really don't even look at it. Um, I just tweet stuff and close the app and, 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 and go from there because I really, you know, the opinions of others really doesn't bother me. And we're, I'm trying to convey that message to as many people as we can, um, you know, just kind of moving forward because kids are so influenced by social media today. Well, that's where all the trouble usually is, is in the replies. And so if you can avoid that, yep. you're, you're in a pretty good spot. Um, so yep. can you take us back to your own your own high school career? Um, I know you played at El Camino. Can you kind of take us back um, and just kind of go through like what high school was like for you um, just kind of athletics wise? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a different landscape, obviously, than it is today. Um, you know, I started playing basketball at a very early age. Um, I lived on a you know one of those streets that I think are gone nowadays. Where you know, as soon as it was about four o'clock, everyone came outside and we just played and we played and played and played and played until we was I was done arguing with my mom about coming in to eat dinner, and then I wolfed my dinner down as fast as I could and ran back outside again and kept playing. Um, and that's kind of where where I learned how to play and learn the game of basketball and, and stuff like that. I had a neighbor um, who was next to me who played every five seconds as well. And between him and I and my two brothers, um, it was just nonstop basketball, um, you know, and we, we, we'd venture into other things and, you know, some rollerblading and some over the line and things like that. But it was mostly a basketball thing. And then, you know, it was just, I was always taller than everybody. So I kind of just fell into to basketball and I always played with my older brother. So I always got pushed around and it just kind of fell into to being, you know, decent at basketball and really enjoying the game. Um, so we would we would run tournaments and we'd play on, you know, stuff like that. And I was always doing that from, from a young age. And um, and then I started, started you know, my, my high school career and I was okay. I was a, you know, tall guy and, and you know, could play a little bit. And um, I just always knew I wanted to be a coach um, since I was on high school and I was a freshman in high school. That's, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and just, and just kind of told myself, I'm going to try to learn as much as I can from the game and learn as much as I can from a player and take, take, take the game as far as I can, um, to use those, use those, you know, things that I would pick up, um, from, from playing into my coaching. Um, and then that was part of it. And part of it was, you know, we, we, the game has changed with the club and the AAU stuff, which didn't happen. You know, you only, you only were invited to play that stuff when you were, when, when I was around. 
Um, so um, started doing that when I was in ninth and tenth grade and noticed by colleges and things like that. And that's kind of how the career started. So you, you knew in high school as you're playing that you wanted to coach, you just talked about, you know, kind of paying pretty close attention at that point to things that happened. Was there like a, a trigger moment where that happened or was it just kind of, you, you just knew the whole time that this is something that you were going to kind of spend the rest of your life doing? Yeah. You know, so I, I have a younger brother. I'm, I'm, I'm a middle child. So um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And um, I remember my younger brother, he was uh, playing like park and rec basketball and um my dad was a coach he always my dad always coached us and um he was a coach and one time he got sick and it wasn't too bad but it was bad enough where he he couldn't come to practice for a while i want to say it was like a two-week span and you know he's like all right let's go you know i need you to coach so i was like what he's like you know enough about basketball i mean you're playing you know i was i was a seventh eighth ninth grader you know enough about basketball so i remember my mom sat in the corner because she was the the adult figure there. And I, I, uh, just started coaching my brother who was probably, you know, nine, eight, nine at the time, um, you know, running layup lines and doing things like that. And that's where I just, I'm like, this is something I want to do. This is awesome. I love, I love the, the, the adrenaline rush you get from coaching and, and, the, and the reward you get from, you know, the service aspect of it, of helping people and, uh, kind of just ran from there. What was that transition like? So everybody's path to coaching is unique. You know, some guys end up going and, you know, being a welder for 10 years before they realize it. Obviously for you, you knew from the get-go. So did you then enter college with the specific goal of finishing that deal and becoming a coach right afterwards? Like what was that path like for you from your playing days to your your coaching days? I I told my high school coach from, you know, my 10th grade year, like, look, I want to be a coach. Um, and I kind of would just, you know, I don't know if it was really physical notes, but more mental notes of like every time I went and played for a different club team or every time I had a different coach, whether it was, you know, JV or varsity or something like that. I just kind of would remember things that I liked and didn't like as a player. And um, man, I'm never going to do this as a coach or wow, I'm going to take that. That's great. Um, and just kind of pick little pieces up. Um, and then, you know, I just started, I started coaching a club team when I, I went to UC Santa Barbara, um, had intentions to play um had a decent relationship with the coaching staff there and kind of watched practice every once in a while and did some things with them um but just knew I wanted to coach so I started a youth program um up there when I was when I was doing some things and then kind of just fell into a into a high into a high school job um as an assistant um, my junior year of college at UC Santa Barbara um just fell into it at assistant job at my alma mater and just I just kind of I kind of got lucky and, and kind of went from there so um yeah it was kind of a kind of a, a different path and um you know a lot of people do other things first um I definitely had other jobs while I was you know trying to navigate my coaching world um because as everyone knows coaching is not a you know Lamborghini and Ferrari lifestyle <laughs> no uh, it's so. not <laughs> you gotta grind it to start so you know I remember volunteering as a as an assistant for, for a lot of years and, and just trying to work. And I was a, you know, a manager of a restaurant and a waiter and, you know, doing things to make money. And then as soon as my, my job was over, I ran over to the gym and worked kids out and did what I could to make sure I had my, you know, my foot in the door. Yeah. It's funny, even in like, uh, it's funny. You'll hear guys who end up coaching at the college level and what they go through just to be able to coach, right? Like all the jobs that they have to have and stuff like that. Um, for and so sure. for like for high school guys, especially when you're in college or like trying to coach at the same time, it's yeah, there's there's no money in this thing. Um, you, you've got to really no. you got to really enjoy it. That's for sure. A hundred percent. And especially when you first, you know, when you first start, I try to, mm-hmm. you know, tell people you look at 
you look at Coach Cal and you look at, you know, uh, you know, all, all the all the big time college basketball coaches and you think, well, you know, that's something I want to do. But it's a you got to you got to really earn your stripes and you got to so a lot of years of mopping the floor and doing the dirty work and opening the gym and closing it before you can really start to, you know, get yourself a job where you can actually make a little bit of money, um, you know, coaching. Yeah, my wife, I, you know, my wife has asked me a couple of times why I don't want to coach in college. And I, I'm like, yep. well, one, I obviously love high school. But two, I'm like, I'm 32 right now with a family. And for me to yep. go, if I want to go coach at the college level, it's going to take 10 to 15 years before I've even on staff making money at that point. And even then that's 100%. not guaranteed. And even then I'm not going to make anything. It's like people don't always understand what coaching is like uh, monetarily. Cause we see the big, you know, the big money things that like you're talking about, like Cal and, and coach K and guys like that, but that's not the reality of, of what we're actually seeing here in the real uh, world for all of us. Yeah. hundred so percent. Yeah, I have uh, a buddy who's a, Oh no, no, go for it. No, I was just saying, I mean, I have a buddy who's a division one assistant and makes, you know, $35,000 a year and, in Southern California, which is does not go very far in Southern California. Um, and everyone thinks, wow, division one assistant, you know, but he's, he's grinding. He's got aspirations to, to, you know, to go to the bigger, bigger stage and, and try to get a better job. And, you know, sometimes that's what it takes and he's living in a small apartment and trying his best. And, and that's, you know, I, 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 I give him credit, all the credit in the world uh, and everyone's path to, to what they want to do is different. So. So you're at St. Francis now, of course. You started out uh, as an assistant at El Camino, but uh, there was a, a place in between where you you had a lot of success. Yep, yep. Um, so I was at a school called Chaminade High School, um, which is actually in the same league um, as I'm in right now at St. Francis. When you went into that program, what was it like when you got there and, and what were kind of your visions looking forward? Uh, you know, I, I was the JV coach for a year um, before I got named varsity head coach. Um, I actually got in a really fortunate situation where um, I, at, at age, shoot, I was 21, um, I, you know, got asked to be the head JV coach and the varsity coach there said, hey, you know, I'm probably going to leave in four or five, you know, maybe six years. I'd love for you to kind of just be my assistant, um, be our JV coach and just learn and meet the administration and kind of, you know, we, we, we see something in you and we kind of want to, you know, groom you up. And whenever I decide to leave, you know, we can not going to guarantee you the job, but you know, you'll have a better opportunity than, than, you know, the guy who, who didn't uh, do all the stuff you did. And um, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, he, he coached the, I was there a year and he decided to, to, to step down that next year. And, uh, you know, I interviewed and didn't think I was going to get it. And, got lucky and got it. And, uh, you know, we had success right away, which was, which was kind of hard and unexpected. Um, you know, we had success right away, went to the CI championship our first year, uh, lost in the finals to a couple NBA players and, uh, you know, just kind of, just kind of ran with it from there. And, and, um, you know, I think success kind of made me, you know, some people, they, they, they get success and they, they, they go, you know, the route of, and, you know, they kind of tone themselves down. I kind of saw the success and said, I want to continue to push and push and push and push. Um, and, you know, we had we had some good seasons and some good years. And we had a great administration there um, that backed us and let us kind of do what we wanted to do. I had a great assistant coaching um, staff. Uh, five of those six coaches are current um, head coaches now. And, you know, it was fun. We were young and energetic and the gym was always open and there was balls always bouncing. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a really lucky situation I got, I got put into and I'm always very fortunate for that to have that uh, opportunity. Absolutely. And then in, in 2014, you, y'all, you, you won the title, didn't you? 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. So in 2014, um, we won. We, we we played in a thing called the Open Division here, which is probably the best tournament in in high school basketball. People argue um, it's the top eight teams in the state of California um, in Southern California, which is phenomenal basketball. And we play. We won a couple games, and we lost to uh, Sierra Canyon, who probably everybody knows now is mm-hmm. what's where LeBron's kid goes. And and then we lost them by four. Um, and the cool part about that is as soon, if you lose in the open division, you get put back into your division for state. Um, so we went to the state champ, uh, state playoffs and, and we won the state championship that year um, and had a, had an unbelievable team. And nine, nine, <clears throat> excuse me, nine of our 14 kids um, played division one uh, sports. So having nine guys playing was, was pretty phenomenal. And um, it was fun. It was a, it was a great team. Like I said, we had great players and, I was very fortunate to have some great assistant coaches. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And to have that much talent is crazy. <laughs> that many Division One yeah. future athletes is insane. Crazy. So I imagine. Um, crazy. So from there, you know, you, you end up at St. Francis. How did that kind of transition come about? Is that something you were looking for? Is that something that just kind of fell to you? What was that process like? Uh, uh, you know, you kind of get a point in your coaching career where I kind of felt we were, we were stagnant. Like we were winning um, when I was at Chaminade. You know, we, we had success, but it was just kind of, it was kind of, I don't want to say getting boring because that's not, that's not the right word, but we were just kind of, I was just kind of getting stagnant. It was the same thing. I went to the, you know, every morning I'd walk into Starbucks at 8.15 and, you know, they'd have my order ready. You know, it was just, it became, it became stagnant for me. And, um, you know, we weren't really, I wasn't really elevating myself and I looked in the mirror, you know, pretty much and was like, man, I'm 20. 27 28 i gotta either i'm either gonna stay here for the next 15 20 years and just you know be that guy or i'm gonna challenge myself and find a different different way to become a better coach and take on a different challenge um and uh st francis was in was in the same league as as chaminade so we would go there every single year um and play them and i always just had in the back of my mind like this place is phenomenal and the administration is great the school's great they just couldn't, they just couldn't win. Uh, it was last place, last place, last place, last place, year after year. And, you know, some people want to, would not even want to touch that job. And for me, I thought it was a challenge. I'm like, man, this is something I want to figure out we can do. So um, the job opened and I uh, was considering putting my name in and the AD actually reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, let's sit, let's go have a cup of coffee. I don't love to hear if you're interested. Um, and it just kind of went from there. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that, that I took that call and took that meeting and, um, you know, very happy that I'm not St. Francis and, it, and it's a different, de- definitely a different place than Chaminade and, you know, not, not saying it's a negative, positive, but just different and happy I'm there. Happy, you know, the, the schools believed in me and kind of kept their word and, um, they do great things there and I'm very happy to be their head coach. So, you know, you mentioned in there that, uh, you know, the, the, the school, the opening seemed really like a, a great opportunity, but that they just couldn't win. They just weren't winning. So when you yep. were kind of looking at it from afar and then as you you know talked with the AD and then as you eventually took the job, like what were the things when you looked at that program that were keeping them from winning or, or the things that needed to maybe change uh, in order to to get to that point of winning? It was just, it was just stag, you know, it just got stagnant, I think. And it was, you know, um, you know, I, it, it kind of just was repeating itself over and over. Um, they weren't really getting player at players that were, you know, kind of, I felt like they could get, um, you know, we don't really, we, we don't recruit, you know, and, and per se, but, you know, we are a middle, you know, we are a high school, a private, you know, Catholic high school. So 
in order for us to function, we have to have students enroll in our school. Um, so why not have, you know, go after students that are coming to your school for, for tours and visits and things like that. So um, one of the things we talked about as a staff and was a big change for us is when kids come on campus, when middle school kids come on campus, we need to be present. We need to be there. We need to talk to parents. We need to get out there and, and kind of make sure people know who we are. Um, and that was a big thing for us. And we kind of just started with a couple kids that, you know, kind of came on campus. You know, we have middle school days and things like that. And um, when they came on campus, just made sure we, we stayed in contact and um, when the parents wanted to come meet and, you know, um, we got lucky and had a couple really good players in our area um, kind of just believe in us and believe in the process. And, you know, I always said, people always joke about the term, trust the process. Right. But uh, you know, we, we had a, we, we, we had a process. We, we felt like we had success at Chaminade and, you know, I took my staff over and we felt like, like, like we could just kind of rinse and repeat what we did over there. Um, and the school has been great. You know, the school has been great. They're, 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 they want to win. They want, they want success, um, but they want to do it the right way. They will never bend, you know, in terms of getting a kid into school who can't get it done academically or, you know, who can't afford tuition and things like that. Um, you know, we do help out you know, a little bit here and there with, with the families that need it, but you know, we don't, we're not one of those schools that's going to give scholarships and, you know, families that's making $5 million a year. And we're not going to help out you know, families like that. We're going to help out families in need. And that's kind of aligns with what I believe in. And uh, our schools, and it's been great. It's been great ever since I got there. And I just think identifying a couple of those little things is, is, has changed it around. So very happy for that. I think the one of the things that you've you've certainly said and written a lot, and it, it, it was a while back, it might still be on your pinned tweet on Twitter, is uh, the saying, character first. And, yep. you know, a lot of coaches will hear that or read that and they're like, yeah, that sounds great, but what does it actually mean? So when you talk about character first, uh, what does that really entail for you? I mean, for us, it's just being, a, you know, being a, like being a good person, being a good person, being a being a good, good brother, a good, eventually a good husband and, you know, um, caring about others before before yourself. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big <laughs> sounds corny, but I'm a big golden rule guy, you know, do unto others as you. <laughs> want done to yourself and just having that, having that character, you know, we, we pick up chairs after the game's over. We pick up water bottles after the game's over. We'll pick up the opposing team's chairs. Um, we, we, we completely clean the locker room and, you know, we got to a point now where we go on, we go to a road game um, and I go back into the locker room, the game's over. It is spotless. And that's not me telling every guy that reminding them every time. It's just something that's passed down now from, from team to team. Um, and just having those, having that culture and, and, and having that character that we just, we're just going to always do the right thing. Um, you know, someone, someone pushes us in the basketball game and we want to push them back. That's not, you know, that's not what we do. You know, we're a high character team. We're going to believe in that. And, you know, if you find the right families that believe in that and, 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 and want to send their kids to a coach and to a school that believes in that, you know, you can, you can still have success. Um, you don't need to have a, a different kind of kid. And we've, We've had the, we've had great kids, and we've had parents believe in our our motto and our culture, and 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 believing in character. And you know, I've been there now seven years. We've had two transfers um, out. So, you know, in terms of just kind of identifying who the right people are, we're honest with parents from the start. You know, here's who we are. This is what we do. We're gonna teach your kid to say thank you and no thank you and yes sir and yes ma'am and this is what we do. And if we're gonna push your kid as hard as we possibly can, and if they don't want to be coached. We have no problem with them going somewhere else. And if that means our rival school or the school down the street, that's, that's the way it goes. You know, we're not going to 
jeopardize what we believe in to to get a better athlete or a better player. We 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 would rather have a better person. Kind of reminds me of uh, I'm sure you saw it. I, I can't remember who the player was or who the team was. It was just uh, maybe a week or so ago. Um, uh-huh. College athlete uh, picking up the like the garbage and the the chair yep. that had been knocked over and all that stuff. Just the and and doing it without anybody uh, seemingly anyway from what we saw in the video, anyone prompting yep. them to do it. Just that idea of taking it right. upon yourself because I think so many kids, not kids these days, thing, but just I think so many people um, these days expect other people to do things for them, and it's Correct. it's easy to just let things go. But um, anything we can do to help kids like take ownership of everything, and like you're even talking about, you know, taking ownership of the opposing team's locker room, like that's a that's a big deal. Yep, yep. I mean, we just you know, fast, you know, this this ball is gonna end end for everybody someday. Um, it's gonna stop bouncing, and you know, um, I always try to tell people I understand. You know, as a 14 year old, or when your son's 14, 15, 16, it's it's your it's your life. You know, it's your life, and and I and I love that. It's some parents that's their life is their son or their daughter at at fourteen through through eighteen. Um, you know, and I love how kids think that you know every game is 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 a is a championship game, and it's so much so much emotion and so much going on. But in the end of the end of the day, it's a four year out of a you know hopefully we live to a hundred, right? Four years out of a hundred is a small part of your life. You know, so what are you going to do for the other? you know, 80 years, you're, you're trying to, you know, become a good person and, 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 and be a, be a member of contributing member of society. Um, so, you know, we don't downplay that those four years, we, we want to let them know it's a huge deal. Um, but there's so much we can learn through athletics, um, you know, from the wins and the losses and the adversity we have to battle that we can just use that stuff to become successful. And Hey, you get a division one scholarship or you go to the NBA or you go to the NFL. Great. We're pushing for that as much as we can, but, you know, for those for those who can't do that, um, which is a lot, you know, there's got to be a backup plan. And being a good person can get you pretty darn far in this world. One of the things that you've talked about a couple of times, you've mentioned parents, obviously. And so um, I know uh, parents tend to get a bad rap nowadays for a lot of reasons. And they've, they always have been. It's not a modern thing yep. um, in, in high school athletics for a lot of different reasons. And we all know and we don't need to get deep into the, the weeds or the negative side of it. But um, I know you know this and I know a lot of college coaches at least when they've talked to me about any player we have, like usually one of the first two or three questions is going to be like how they are in the classroom and how they are as a yep. teammate. And then almost always I get the question of like, what are his, what are his parents like? And I, yep. I try to explain that to our parents and help them understand that um, it, it, and what that means. So when you have parent meetings or when you're talking to parents or even meeting them for the first time, what types of things are you trying to help them understand about you know, what it means to be a positive supportive parent for the, for the program and for their kid. You know, I'm just, I think, I think the number one most important thing that, that people need to do with parents is just be honest. Like I think so many people try to dance around um, certain topics and certain issues with parents um, because they're either worried their kid's going to transfer or their kid's going to leave. That's not what they want to hear. They're going to go to a different school we all, we all know it's it's hard to, it's hard to win without good players. And, you know, you get good players and you don't, you know, you don't want to tell their parents the wrong thing because you want them to stay. Um, But in all reality, you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. Um, And I, I I tell our parents all the time, I I love parents that that are all out to support their kids. That's awesome. Cause I used to work at a school, um, not, not, not a, at Chaminade, but previous schools where there was no parent involvement at all. You know, they could care less if their son won, lost, they didn't show up. They didn't pick them up. They didn't, you know, and, and to me, like, I'd, I'd rather have the opposite. I'd rather have a parent that's, you know, fully involved. 
um, and, and their kid's future and, and trying to help their, their kid. But I think just number one is just be honest, be honest with parents, tell them, tell them what you feel, tell them how, how it's going to be, tell them how it's going to go. Um, and then number two is I always go back to the trust factor. And one of the things I always ask parents is, do you, do you trust me? And if the answer is no, then you got to go somewhere where you're going to trust the coach. And if you do trust me, let me do my job and let me do what I do and let, let, let our staff do what we do. Um, and if you don't trust us, you know, maybe this is not the place for you, but you have to trust your son or daughter's coach because, you know, if you're going to give them to them for multiple hours a day and trust that they're going to turn them into a good athlete and a good person and, and all that stuff with high character, you know, you either got to trust them or you don't, you know, you don't go halfway in. So, um, I always try to tell parents, you know, I either need you all in or I need you, I need you out. Um, and you know, that's something that I think, um, the kind of the message we've, we, we've been sending and it's, it's been very beneficial. Um, one of the things our school does a very, very good job of is in the first week of school, they have a mandatory parent meeting for anyone who's interested in athletics. And it's the most honest meeting you will ever see with parents, um, almost to a fault where they'll, they, you know, Hey, this is how we do it. Here's what we expect. You know, here's how you conduct your, you know, communication. We don't yell at refs. We don't do this. We don't do that. If you're not happy, there's transfer paperwork at the door. Feel free to grab one and go somewhere else. You know, and most people don't say stuff like that. You know, everyone's kind of, you know, especially at a private school where, where, you know, butts in the seat equals, equals dollars and dollars, you know, kind of run the school. So, um, but our school is, is all about doing things the right way in character. And that's why I feel like I align well with them. Well, I think that sets the tone too, which which makes it really clear. You didn't come out forthright and say it, but it makes it really clear that the school is supportive of its coaching staff and what you guys are trying sure. to do. Because I think a lot of times as coaches, we forget that you know the the, the school hired you. They hired you to do yeah. this job. The school trusts you to do it. And sometimes we get a little scared uh, or nervous or unsure when it comes to like having honest conversations like you're talking about with parents and with players because we're afraid of the repercussions of that. And sometimes you just got to take a step back. I remember my high school coach in our parent meetings uh, back in the day would tell our parents – uh, he'd say something to the lines of essentially, look, the school hired me to do this. Uh, so let me do it. And if, if it doesn't right. work for you, then we'll have to find some other route. But um, I think a lot of us are, are we, we're forgetful of the fact that the school hired us to do this job. And it's it would be wrong of us to do it in a way that isn't um, kind of to the best of our abilities. And that involves being honest with parents and being honest with players about where they stand. 100%. 100%. And, you know, I know there's a big big deal nowadays on transfers and you know hey i, I gotta i tell people if, if you're not happy i mean you know i'm a big believer in adversity and fighting through it if your son doesn't want to fight through it i guess you know there's the door i mean i, I don't want to sound you know too blunt but you know some some relationships just don't work out you know i try to tell people 50 percent of what 50 percent all marriages are ending in a divorce you know um you know, some, sometimes it just doesn't, it just doesn't work out and that's fine. Um, but I think each coach needs to kind of have their morals and their values in place and what they believe and, um, you know, try their best to get every kid to achieve, you know, to achieve, uh, to achieve his or her dreams. And when it does work out and everything goes well, even when it has bumps in the road, right. You can turn, you can turn a team into something more of like a family. And we've all had, had teams, whether it's individual years or, or if we're, 
really fortunate and, and do a really good job. It's over the course of our career where, you know, each individual team feels like its own family. So as you're kind of reflecting back on your own career and also the current season that you're in right now and looking ahead to future seasons, when you think about an idea of like trying to help coaches understand what it means or what it takes to turn a team into a family, like what types of things have you done in your programs to try to, to try to help that move along? Yeah, I mean, I always say just treat them like your family. You know, treat them. I, it sounds cliche, but treat them like your family. So we have we have tons of meals together. You know, that's what I did with my family. You know, we, we eat all the time. So um, practices, sometimes games, every game. Um, you know, we sit down. Everybody puts their phones away. Coaches, players. We sit down. And we eat together, um, and we joke around, and we laugh, and we and we do that kind of stuff. You know, bus rides and just spending time together as a, as a, as a, as a unit um, is big time. We'll, we'll do stuff like we'll play dodgeball sometimes, you know, and just coaches and players we'll do half court shooting competitions, coaches and players we'll do, you know, we just try to keep those guys as much together and, and, and uh, keep our coaches with them um, as much together to try to keep them a family. And then I, and that's the second thing I think is, is huge is, you as a coach, I think, have to be a role model in in, in, in so many ways. Not not necessarily off the off the playing court or field or wherever you're you're coaching, but um, but while you're with them as well. Like you know, I, sure, I get in disagreements every once in a while with my coaching staff, but no, none of our players will ever see it. Um, they'll never see it. You know, we treat each other with respect. I treat all my assistants with respect. They treat me with respect. If we have a disagreement. We, we let it slide and we'll go hash it out later. Um, and I think them seeing that, seeing how we, we act together and how we act as a family together, um, I think is a, is, is a big thing. And, um, you know, we try to tell them we're not going to tell you to do something that we're not going to do. Um, and I've seen plenty of head coaches get mad at their assistants and belittle them and berate them and then expect their team to treat each other with respect. And I'm sitting there going, well, you don't show it. How is, how is your team going to, um, so that's a big one for us too, is, is just making sure as a staff, we're always on the same page, even though sometimes my assistants might disagree, we'll, we'll, we'll settle it later. Well, and I know you, you talked about how you brought uh, some staff guys over from your previous school. And obviously, you know, as a, as a high school coach, your, your assistants are incredibly important as any coach, uh, of course, but at the high school level, for sure. Um, you know, guys, you can trust guys, who you can bring and be part of the family guys who can do their job and you can let them do their job. So when you look at yep. uh, like kind of hiring and then also retaining assistants, like what types of people are you looking for? Where have you found people? Like what's your kind of approach to um, finding high quality assistants that, that work for your programs? Yeah. You know, um, I think a lot of it has to do with just confidence of, of, of being a head coach. Um, and then for, for me, my number one thing is just, I just want good people, you know? Yeah, sure. You need to know a little bit about basketball, but you know, I feel like I, I know, I know a decent amount and um, you know, I can always help, help and teach and things like that. I, I just want, I want good people that are going to help kids that are in it for the right reasons to help kids. Um, now, if you can find someone who knows a lot about basketball as well as a great person, then you got a, you got a great combo, um, you know, and then, and then as a head coach, it's just, it's, it's in order to retain them, it's just treating them with respect and, 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 you know, having them being a, be a part of their staff. You know, my first six years at St. Francis, we had the, I, I had every single coach I hired from day one uh, for six straight years. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think some of it has to do with just the way I treat them and the way they, they treat each other. And, you know, I'm taking them out for, for meals all the time. And our group, you know, we have a coach's group chat, chat and text, and we're talking about, you know, NBA games that are going on and things that are going on and keeping them involved and 
making sure they invite their wives and husbands and um, significant others to games and, you know, treating them with respect and, and things like that. So they feel like it's family, you know, from our end. Um, but I think the number one most important thing is just, find, you know, find good people, get a, get, get a group of coaches that are good people and um, diverse in many ways, and, and you'll have a pretty good staff. And then also, you know, obviously part of, of, of running a program is that connection to the younger kids. So you have obviously your high school kids and you can impact those guys for four years. But anything you can do to reach down to younger groups is awesome. So you mentioned when they, you know, you have younger kids on campus, like being around and, and, and yep. meeting them and everything like that. Do you have any other like connection to youth programs? Because I know youth sports, especially basketball, have changed so much. And like you mentioned earlier from, you know, even, you know, 15, 20 years ago, things have changed a lot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we, that was, that was another aspect that we wanted, I wanted to make sure when we got on campus is, you know, we have youth teams in our gym now um, mm. practicing and playing and doing things where we never had that before. Um, so we kind of can attract that, you know, the community of kids to, to be in our gym, um, you know, and that's a big factor for us, you know, just so we can see them and they're on our campus playing and, um, you know, they're competing and they're kind of getting to know each other. They're getting to know our coaches. They're getting to know people in the gym. And it just goes a long way of kind of keeping that, that together. And then also for us do it, it builds a, it, it's great for, you know, community relationships. And, you know, now there's families that live down the street that didn't know each other and now are playing basketball together. And Hey, you know, we might come to St. Francis too. And, you know, you're kind of building that relationship with them. Um, and it, it really works in, in so many ways. So, um, that's been a big factor for us is just kind of keeping those youth teams on campus. I wanted to make sure that I give you a chance to nerd out on basketball a little bit while we're on. I know there was, <laughs> you know, obviously coaches from all different sports listening, but uh, it'd be, be wrong not to. So I know Steph Curry a week or so ago at the time of recording this, um, you know, set the three point record and it was, and he did it in like half the games. It's almost unreal uh, that, you know, guys like Ray and Reggie did it. Um, so looking at like high school basketball and youth basketball too, but especially the high school level, um, you know, you, you look at the three pointer and how that's kind of changed the game at the NBA level. Has that kind of made its way into the high school level? Is it is you know, what's the what's the basic strategy like lately in regards to how it maybe has changed over the last 15 or 20 years? Yeah, I mean, Steph Curry's changed the game. You know, I don't care what people say, Steph. I feel like Shaq changed the game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when he was playing and then. It's kind of been slowly evolving as Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Durant kind of changed the game, and now Steph Curry is is completely changed the game. Um, and, and for you know he's he's unbelievable. He's you know he's phenomenal. He's a good person. He's a good good player. He's an unbelievable shooter. Um, and and it's I, I think it's great. You know the the thing that makes it fantastic for him is he's not from a size and physicality standpoint. He's not a God gift gifted, you know, size and strength person where back in the day, you know, if you didn't look like Shaq, um, you know, or you didn't look like, like, you know, Bill Walton or somebody like that, it was hard for you to, to, to be good and to get minutes and to be a factor and stuff like that. And, you know, as a kid looking up, you know, you kind of discouraged like, man, my, mom, my mom's only five, five, two, and my dad's five, nine. And, you know, it's not gonna be easy for me to play basketball where now kids, nowadays can look up and say, man, this guy's, he's not 6'10 and he's dominating the game and, you know, he's doing things and he's changing the game in a way that I can impact the game being a, being a 5'10 basketball player. And, you know, um, I'm trying to find a way and it kind of gives those kids that wouldn't normally have that dream to kind of keep that dream alive as long as they can. 
whether it's just impacting the game at the high school level, college level, or, you know, hopefully making it to the, to the big time. So it, I, I love it. I think he's great for great for the NBA and he gives, he gives kids a, a, a dream and, and a chance to think that they can do it, which I think that all kids should have that dream as long as they want to. We've kind of seen that in baseball too, where there's a lot more players making it to the professional ranks who aren't, you know, the huge yep. six five two twenty guys. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, there's. And it is really nice as a coach to be able to point at those guys and be like, you know, it. You can you can work yourself into that sort of a player. Um, when you look at basketball in your program, your program in particular, um, what kind of offense do you generally run? What kind of defense do you generally run? Um, defensively, we, we, we kind of junk the game up. Um, you know, primarily we're a man to man defensive team. Um, we've done a decent job in the last couple of years, um, defensively and, uh, but we junk it up. We're, we're throwing seven, eight, nine, nine defenses at you guys sometimes, um, just trying to make the game different, make the other teams coach, coach and make them prepare and, you know, we always talk about with our guys, we want to have their walkthrough or their shoot around or their their film session, we want it to last two hours because they have to go through all the stuff that we do um, and just kind of get them doing things they wouldn't normally do. I think sometimes, you know, coaches, you get so vanilla nowadays, you know, um, they run they run a, you know, simple man-to-man defense and they run a flex offense that everyone else runs. And, you know, you got, you got 25 teams within a hundred mile radius running the same thing and, you know, it kind of gets stagnant. So um, just be different, be creative, you know, um, I'm always a big believer in just creativity and and getting your guys to do many different things. Um, so that's kind of something we do defensively. Offensively, um, myself and, and a buddy of mine, we kind of been more, I want to say more so him than me, but we've kind of invented a, an, a little bit of an offense off of stuff that we used to like um, when we were players. And uh, we kind of run with it, and I've done presentations on it and done uh, seminars on it, and it's a fun it's a fun offense to run and um, you create a lot of matchup problems and, you know, um, it's been successful for, for me in the last 15 years I've been running it and we're going to continue to do it. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to, to learn more about it, they can feel free to reach out to me and I can send them a bunch of information on it. That's one of the funny parts about uh, a lot of coaches is if you, if you really want, most coaches are willing to share with them pretty much everything they do. And it's really funny because yeah, you know, you, you think like my mind always goes to like a football coach who not that they would do this, but like, no, I'm not going to give you my plays. Like, <laughs> are you crazy? Right. And, and, and right. I think we all sometimes get caught in this trap of thinking there's some secret sauce out there, but it's really, yep. uh, it, it's really not that secretive. And it's, it's stuff that, um, you know, if you're just passionate about it and you love it and you're, you really learn it, you could probably teach it to just about anybody. Yep. Yep. I mean, I go back to Vince Lombardi when he, you know, he ran one play. You know, they, they they ran the ball to the right side, you know, and, and you knew it was coming. You know, you knew it was coming. The question was, how are you going to stop it? Um, and I think if you're good enough as a coach and you have multiple options and multiple ways to, to run your offense, you know, it's too hard to prepare. You know, it's, it's more about how you stop it than, than knowing it, exactly how to do it. So you mentioned being uh trying to come up with creative ideas you mentioned being uh that team that other other teams are forced to prepare for and, and really be ready to play so if someone came in the gym and watched you guys practice throughout the season what are some of the like like pillars of your of your practice things that you're going to see guys doing um quite a bit uh, a lot of talking there's definitely a lot of talking um a lot of energy a lot of talking 
we we kind of force our players to speak, speak to each other, speak. We just tell them to talk. You know, um, it's funny you get you get kids who uh, who will talk all day in a classroom, and then as soon as they get on the basketball court, they uh, they won't talk. Right when they're not, when, when they're supposed to talk, um, they won't. But in the class, when they're not supposed to, they will. So right. uh, we try to get our guys to talk a lot and. Um, you know, just kind of stay connected and things like that. Everything's fast. Everything's planned out to the minute. Um, you know, guys are sprinting from here to there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of different variations. And there's, you know, we'll, we'll be running defensive stuff for 15 minutes and it'll go right into an offensive thing, into a shooting drill, into a, into a, you know, into some film with one group. And it's just a lot of moving parts. Um, and we just try to keep guys on their toes. I think, you know, uh, kids get bored these days pretty easily. Um, their attention spans are not very high. So I feel like if we can keep them moving and practice is different all the time and they don't know what to expect, um, I think it's a good thing. So like we don't post practices in the wall. Um, you know, some coaches will post like, all right, here, you know, here, here's what we're doing today. Um, we want kids to be on their toes and guessing and not knowing what's going on and um, kind of have that so they can constantly be, be thinking and moving to the next thing. We always say it's kind of like TikTok where, they can just go to the next thing real fast. That, that's what kids want nowadays. So, I think that's a really smart way to do it to keep them on their toes and keep yeah, practice interesting. Because yeah, we've all we've all been yeah. on teams where the routine, the the daily routine gets really to use the word you've used quite a bit. The word stagnant, like it just gets it gets boring, yep. and it's really hard yep. to to stay on your team. And then when you're playing an actual game, it's not boring at all. And so anything you can do to replicate Correct. that. I think is really smart. Uh, my my kid and I were watching a game. He's only two, but he loves watching sports on TV. And there's, uh, we'll watch awesome. whatever's on. And so that we had a, it was on the ESPN Plus yesterday. There's just some random college women's game. It was Stetson. I can't remember who they were playing, but Stetson had made. They were like seven of like 21 from the line at the time we were watching, and they were down by like 12 points. And they kept getting uh-huh. back to the line and kept the, the other team had already fouled them enough to where every foul they were shooting and. They kept doing it and kept missing free throws. And I it just had this thought in my mind of like, you know, what, what's practice going to be like for Stetson tomorrow in terms of like right. how they do free throws, how have they done free throws? So this is a totally a me question that has nothing, no one else is probably going to care. But what do you guys do for practicing free throws? Because I was talking to my wife about it too, and we were talking about how in a basketball game, it's so high energy and you're up and down the court and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's time to shoot a free throw and it's, it is in no way like any other shot you take during the rest of the game. It's just, it, everything's right. quiet. It's still, it's just you. Do you do anything? Like how do you guys practice free throws? I guess is what I'm asking. It's always a competition. So everything we do in practice is a competition. So for example, today's practice, um, we did two free throw competitions. Um, they're the last three minutes each. First one was, you had a partner, best out of three, you know, so loser has to run, um, you know, and then we did one today where the team got to pick five guys. We had to go five out of five. They could pick whatever five guys they wanted. We go five out of five, um, you know, and it's different all the time. So, you know, we'll do, you know, best out of 10 or we'll do, you know, swishes count as f- swishes count as three and, <laughs> and regular makes count as two. And, you know, um, loser has to run and we'll do coaches versus players where coaches start with, five points and players start with zero and points are worth different, you know, like just, just try to keep it different for them um, just to kind of give them something different for, for, for free throws. And um, you know, it's a big thing. Like, you know, I, I always try to tell people there, there's a, there's a coach in our, that we always joke, joke around with because he, he calls timeout every once in a while and he'll yell, you know, make, make your shots, you know, well, it's really easy to tell somebody to make your shots, right. The hard part <laughs> is actually making them, you know, right. So, you know, I always try to tell, you know, Saying tell, tell a kid to make a free throw, 
you know, the, you know, and you're stating the obvious, you know, what are we doing to help him make his free throws? Um, so I think that's, you know, just finding ways to challenge them there. And then, you know, if, if you're in a rut like that, like if I was that team that was missing all those free throws, I probably wouldn't talk about it. You know, I know that sounds backwards, you know, but if, as soon as you get in their head and now they're thinking about free throws and what are they doing, I'd probably do a couple of free throw shooting drills, but I don't know if I'd talk about, you know, Hey, we missed a whole bunch of free throws. We're going to shoot free throws a day. Focus on your free throw. You know, I would just say run practice normally and just add a couple more free throw shooting drills to practice instead of kind of harping in on them so it's in their head about missing. That's what my wife and I talked about too is that if they do that, then you know the next game as soon as a girl gets up there and shoots and misses the first one, what's her, what's her mind immediately going to go to is like, oh, man. Here we go, and you know, so much of so much of sport, as you know, is is mental, and it's just because you know you can make the shots. One of the things that's so frustrating about golf, I think, is that anyone who golfs, even recreationally, like you've hit every shot at some point. Well, but you right. <laughs> do it every time is is really difficult, and I think people struggle with that. But uh, Todd, right. I, I've I've really enjoyed getting to sit down and, and and talk with you, and I know we could. We could probably go for many hours to get through for sure your career and, and all the different you know pieces you know scholar you know getting kids to, to get scholarships and helping for, through right. fundraising and leadership and all that sort of stuff. But um, just want to kind of finish here and, and hand the mic over to you one last time. If there's anything that maybe we missed or anything that um, you think would be good for you know maybe someone starting out in coaching or maybe even you know reflecting back to advice you'd give to a younger version of you or whatever you want to do with it, just kind of kind of give you the mic one last time cool yeah no i mean the only thing i would suggest is like don't be scared to grind um you know it's what i try to tell our kids all the time is um you know if you want a big coaching job or you want to be a head coach some someday you gotta you gotta believe in yourself um i think that's the don't don't let anybody tell you no believe in yourself and, and you gotta grind you know it never comes easy um you know you gotta do all the dirty work and um and then the, the second thing i would try to tell a young coach is to find a mentor you know, find someone who you can kind of bounce ideas off and off of and can help you um, and someone you can, you know, uh, when they're doing paperwork, you can watch and see what they're doing. When they're scheduling buses, you can sit in there and see how they do it. When they're talking to parents at parent meetings, you can sit in the corner and just listen and just find somebody that you can be a mentor to um, that can help you get, you know, your career started. Um, and then anytime anyone needs any help from me, um, feel free to reach out to me through my Twitter, um, or if they want to email me, my email is coachwolfson at gmail.com. They're more than welcome to shoot me an email. And um, during the basketball season, it's a little tough, but I can definitely <laughs> find time for anybody who needs some time to, to discuss things or has any questions. Be, be happy uh, to help anybody who, who needs some help. Absolutely. I was just going to say, and here we are in the middle of basketball season getting it done. So uh, just again, really appreciate you and, and the time you carved out. And I, I hope you guys have a nice little break here before you get back into the the big slate of games coming up and and good luck the rest of the way and just thank you cool i appreciate it thanks for having me and keep keep uh i like the podcast and it's sending a great message so continue to do it like i said on the show there's a good chance even if you don't follow him on twitter and even if you don't have twitter that you have seen one of his twitter posts kind of screen captured and, and, and repurposed and sent out by somebody else his tweets just get Gets so much attention, not only on Twitter, but off Twitter, too. It's pretty incredible. Anyway, I hope you found the conversation useful and found some ways yourself to self-reflect throughout the episode. 
If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should do it. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode, and of course you did, or any previous episodes, please share it on social media to your followers, via email to your fellow coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It does not matter how you do it. Please just find a way to get a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Wolfson for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode, and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You are awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.